This podcast is brought to you by Knowledge at Wharton. For more information, please visit knowledge.wharton.upenn.edu. From the campus of the University of Pennsylvania Wharton School, this is Knowledge at Wharton on Business Radio. Here's your host, Dan Loney. The intentional crash of the German Wings airliner into the Alps, killing more than 150 people by co-pilot Andreas Lubitz, has brought back the debate on how air carriers need to monitor their pilots closely and look for signs of issues to help prevent these types of tragedies. But it also is a look into how Lufthansa is handling the crash from both a PR and liability standpoint. To discuss this, three guests joining us. Here in the studio, we are joined by Shoykut Chowdhury, who is Executive Director of the Mac Institute for Innovation Management here at Wharton. Also with us, Stuart Diamond, who is an Emeritus Practice Professor of Legal Studies and Business Ethics here at Wharton and author of the book, Getting More. And joining us on the phone is Roger Clark, Roger W. Clark, who is a founding member and managing partner of the Clark Law Group and also visiting professor of law at Rutgers Law School in Camden, New Jersey, where he teaches aviation law. Great to have all of you uh, joining us. Uh, Shoykut, Stuart, great to have you in the studio. Thanks very much for coming in. Great to have you. Thanks, Dan. Roger, great to have you on the phone. Thank you very much. Uh, good morning, and uh, glad to be here. Great to have you. Uh, Stuart, when you when you look at what has happened since this accident happened, how has Lufthansa realistically handled all of this? Have they done a fairly decent job? I think they've done a fairly decent job. They've certainly admitted that uh, they disclosed facts saying that he had a history here of psychological problems, and they've said they would, they would uh, correct it. I don't think they've gone far enough. Uh, for example, this was essentially an act of terrorism, uh, and Los Angeles should call it such, because, uh, and it's impossible to prevent all acts of terrorism until we get enough experience with all acts of terrorism. For example, 9-11 was an act of terrorism, yeah. and people continue to use airplanes uh, as acts of terrorism, and this will cause, unfortunately, with the death of all these people, the airlines to be even more careful preventing acts of terrorism with airlines. Roger, how do you see Lufthansa at this point? Have they done a decent job to your to your uh, belief? Well, you know, Lufthansa is a long-established airline. Uh, it's been very successful, the largest airline in uh, Europe. Most Americans are very familiar with the airline um, um, because of the flights here into this country. And, and this is something that no one ever expects to happen, unfortunately, when these tragedies do happen. It focuses uh, under a microscope all the activities, uh, you know, of the airline. And and, uh, you know, Latanza has to regain the trust of the flying public one flight at a time. And they're continuing to fly um, and doing so very um, safely, very successfully. But the, the problem is how do you deal with issues like uh, Andreas Lubitz? Um, you know, this is not the first time uh, that there has been a, a suicide uh, crash that's taken a lot of people uh, uh, with them. Um, the uh, you know Silk Air incident uh, back in the 1990s, uh, the NTSB, which is the American Investigation Authority, concluded it was a deliberate pilot activity. You might recall Egypt Air 990. Mm -hmm. uh, the same thing, uh, NTSB concluded that was a deliberate pilot action. Uh, uh, more recently, in 2013, uh, Mozambique uh, Airlines had a, a pilot-induced uh, suicide, and and Air, Air Malaysia 370. Uh, you know what happened there is, is unknown, but the you know what appears to have happened is at least consistent with a, uh, a pilot-induced uh, 
um, suicide, um, you know, similar to, you know, what happened here with uh, German wings, uh, locking the pilot uh, outside the cockpit and then inducing some kind of, a, uh, of a deliberate action that lost the airplane. And, and in fact, the insurance carriers uh, for Air Malaysia, uh, in light of the uncertainty, have treated it as possibly an act uh, of uh, terrorism under their uh, uh, War risk and allied perils insurance coverage, as opposed to the other uh, type of insurance coverage that airlines carry, which is negligent loss uh, and injury and damage and, and death to people. And Shoikat, how do you see Lufthansa at this point? I have to agree with my uh, uh, colleagues here that I think Lufthansa has generally done a good job of um, being able to uh, address this. And the reason is that um, I think twofold. One is within their control, the other not. Kostin Spohr, the CEO, has been out there and really personally taking charge, which is which is very good. Uh, secondly, I think the nature of it, ironically speaking and somewhat sinister, because this was done by uh, the pilot himself and not the result of, say, a plane problem, Lufthansa is in a better position. Why is that? Because Lufthansa's value proposition and image depends on network reliability as well as technical safety, yep. and uh, they're safe on that front. But there's another issue which this brings to bear, which I wanted to comment on, and uh, that's not yet been addressed, and that really has to do with the relationship between the pilots and Lufthansa, especially over the last year with uh, 11 or 12 series of strikes um, that Lufthansa has to get to. Because um, the whole creation of all these subsidiaries, German Wings, Eurowings, CityLine operating the jump platform, and so forth, is to drive down costs at yep. Lufthansa, which is very important. Um, in order to be competitive, especially against the Middle Eastern airlines and the low cost. But it also does bring into focus of how far and how much pressure do you put on the pilots. Now, this may not have been the result of that. There are other unique circumstances, but there's a larger issue on well-being of the pilots, which, which also has to be addressed given recent episodes. Well, Roger, I'll let you jump in on that since, since you teach aviation law. Go ahead. Right. Well, you know, it also highlights a, a more fundamental issue as we go forward in the next 20 years because the projections is that we're going to have to come up with uh, 550,000 pilots in the next 20 years uh, to increase the expanding demand for airline services, and, and probably half of that is in the Asian, Asian market. And pilots are very expensive for airlines. Uh, there's going to be continuing pressure on how to deal with that. You know, we now have technology, um, as we all know, with uh, you know UAVs, about one out of every three aircraft in the United States Air Force are remotely controlled now. Yep. Uh, and, and so we do have the technology where you can remotely control airplanes. You, we even have technology that allows airplanes to be self-sufficient in terms of technology. The flying public at this point is not willing to get into an airplane that has no human being on board. <laughs> Uh, and technology has its own problems because uh, it can have uh, hiccups that cause disasters like this. But, but I think what you're going to find is continuing economic pressure going forward to now reduce the cockpit, uh, the flight deck crew from two to one, uh, with uh, you know continuing increased support from the technology, maybe even remotely from uh, pilots, uh, you know, stationed on the ground. And ultimately, I think you may very well find. Uh, uh, airplanes probably starting with cargo um, uh, hauling activities probably across the ocean where they're con entirely remotely controlled. And at some point, we may find passengers getting on airplanes without a live human being on board. Stuart? It sounds like the Google car for airlines. <laughs> uh, but, but I did want to mention uh, a human factors issue which comes up here. This, uh, As this society becomes more and more complex, 
there really is a greater need for training in all yep. factors, whether Three Mile Island, Ferguson, or German Wings. Yep. And I don't think that the training sector, particularly when it's a complex system involving humans and technology, has kept up with the evolution of the complexity of the system. And I think across the board, people need to look at this. People who run countries, people who run scientific uh, and social systems, which are a, a mix in, in any endeavor. It's interesting, Roger. You bring up uh, the the uh, the unmanned vehicles, the the drones that are obviously going to be a a very big part of of what we see in the next fifty sixty years going forward. Uh, I think you hit it right on the head in the fact that we're not going to see any adoption of anything before we see cargo flights and, and those type of planes actually, you know, being used successfully unmanned before we go any further than that. It's a gradual process. Uh, we you know no one thinks now of getting on a tram uh, that's unmanned, um, and that happens yeah. on a daily basis in many different places. And most of us are very comfortable with that. Um, and the Google cars, uh, you know, good. It's a good example. That's probably a segue ultimately to you know climbing on an airplane. You know, the difference is that people get on airplanes, and there's this mysterious thing that goes on behind the cockpit doors, and there's the loss of control that goes with that, and that's very frightening to a lot of people. Um, so it has to be stepped up to you know to a next level. Um, you know you know you know the issue with the catching uh, mental illness um, is is a very challenging one, and unfortunately, uh, major disasters often result in a major rewriting of uh, the rules and regulations dealing with aviation, and it goes all back to the 1920s with the Air Commerce Act and the 1950s with the FAA Act, both of which followed major air disasters. This uh, particular disaster um, is not going to cause a complete rewriting of the rules and regulations. Uh, it's probably going to cause some tweaking. There are already plenty of rules and regulations dealing with uh, trying to spot mental illness in pilots and how do you deal with them. The, the, the problem is that they rely upon self-reporting, and uh, most pilots are not willing to self-report that they've got a major issue with depression uh, or even suicidal ideations because it's going to mean they lose a job. And, and most uh, uh, medical examiners uh, and, 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 you know, commercial pilots and airlines have to go through their physicals, uh, uh, you know, either six months if it's a type one or at least once a year every, uh, if it's a type two. And, and, and the medical examiner is, is supposed to inquire about the state of the mental health of that individual. Um, but most of these medical examiners are not um, psychiatrists or psychologists, and there is no in-depth requirement that pilots go through extensive uh, psychiatric evaluations other than at the initial intake interview when they're first hired. I, I can tell you that I ran a cargo airline in the Caribbean for some years in the early 2000s, and I would have loved computers instead of pilots. Chuck, <laughs> <laughs> you wanted to jump in. I did on one thing, which is one rule which is being hotly debated uh, right now, which is not a requirement everywhere, is do two crew members need to be in the cockpit at any given point in time? Of course, in the U.S. it is a requirement, yep. but uh, in Europe it's not. And uh, I think that's one, you know, at least to catch potentially a situation well, which and, might go out of hand. And, and a couple of the articles ha have talked about uh, the regulations in Europe and what the EU has in place right now and whether or not they are lax. A and that brings up the issue is, is does, does the EU need to do a rewrite of, of their rules for, for what needs to be, you know, how many people need to be in the cockpit? Roger? Yeah, yeah I, I think that's true. And, you know, after 9-11, um, the Europeans uh, did have 
the two individuals in the cockpit rule uh, as the uh, American operators did, uh, but then after a year or two, they went away from that. And, you know, this type of incident, the Andreas Lubitz incident, is less likely to happen in the United States because we do have the two-person on the flight deck rule. Plus, also, most states here uh, do have an obliga- uh, place an obligation on the part of uh, psychiatrists and other mental health uh, providers to report to authorities when they have reasonable cause to, su- to suspect their patient might be uh, a risk to themselves or to others. Uh, now, in Germany, uh, they, they have far different concepts of privacy. Uh, but if a sim- similar rule had been in place there, the uh, mental health providers uh, treating Lubitz uh, should have gone to the authorities and not just giving, not just giving their note to Lubitz to hand on to uh, you know his employer. Yep. Well, and I guess then in terms of uh, of the liability and, and compensating the, the family members that lost loved ones on this, uh, Lufthansa has come out and said that they are going to try and move as quickly as they can to, to take care of the families and, and, and compensate them for what that value is. I don't know how you put a value on I mean, there are there was an interesting article in Time magazine that, that showed the values of, of the payouts for people that are lost in airline disasters the u.s is right up at the top a lot of the countries in europe are are in the same general ballpark so i mean it it does bring up the question of how does lufthansa go about the process of actually putting a value on a person's life well i'm sure there are plenty of precedents but more importantly is you really can't put a value on the loss of a loved one and so, as importantly, maybe even more importantly than the money involved, is what Lufthansa does to begin to heal the scars that will last forever for these people. Yeah. Uh, and also its ability to look at other – Lufthansa hasn't had a crash in a long, long time. Yeah. And it ought to draw on the on – the, uh, the learning in all these years on how do you get people to put their lives back together. Sure, okay. I agree, and I think this uh, connects very nicely to Lufthansa's reputation. You know, they actually, ironically, every situation um, like this, which is a tragedy, also bears an opportunity for coming out very positively in a human point of view. And I think that's something which they've been meaning to address for a while, even from their branding point of view. You know, we are not just an airline that's all about networks and efficiency. We have a human touch. And so dealing with the victims and their families is, of course, of paramount importance. But from a business point of view, too, translating that into, um, you know, we are an airline that cares, I think is very important, could even help them in a business sense. Uh, Roger, how do the airlines physically do that? How do they put a put a value on that because that, that seems to be almost an impossible task it, it is and and you know the tragedy uh, among many arising from something like this is that the courts can only award money yeah. uh, there's nothing else they can do uh, and so uh, the airline in conjunction with the insurance companies that insure them against these losses and the attorneys that represent the airlines uh, have to put some type of value on it. There is just no no other option available to them. So what what they typically uh, do, they've they've got to look to comparisons. Uh, what kind of awards have been given in the past um, for someone in a similar circumstance, similar type of accident? Now this 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 accident uh, was an international flight, uh, and I use that term accident actually uh, in, in a specific sense, even though yep. this this was you know murder suicide, but. But uh, so the right to recovery is controlled by something called the Montreal Convention. 
and and that's an international treaty that uh, well over 100 countries have signed on to, including the United States, uh, you know, Germany, France, and 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 Spain. And under that treaty, um, the right to recover depends on showing an accident. Uh, and and an accident is generally accepted to mean as as, as nothing more than uh, an unusual and expected event that's external to the passenger himself. And and most courts have said that the definition of accident of the Montreal Convention, you know, in, includes malicious acts uh, by yep. by pilots or third parties. So so this clearly is an accident. Um, and and the Montreal Convention. Um, uh, uh, basically it does not have any defined damage uh, rule of thumb in the convention itself. So under the convention, the right to damage re- recovery and how you quantify them goes back to the local law. So these lawsuits, if, if they do file lawsuits, if these cases aren't settled beforehand, are going to be filed in a variety of places probably, uh, Germany, uh, 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 you know, Spain, among others, and the courts in those locations are going to have to decide which law applies to each claimant's family. And there's about 15 different countries, I believe, from which these passengers yep. come from. Including and, the U.S. In, including the U.S. So, so there could potentially be 15 different uh, countries' laws applies to the right of recovery. Um, and, and the courts are going to have to work through that. And, and uh, I, I think it's public knowledge that the uh, insurance company has already uh, reserved about $300 million uh, to deal with the liability claims. And there's about 150 um, uh, deaths here, which, which tells you that their thinking is that they're averaging about $2 million uh, per family um, on, on each individual claim. In the medical field, studies show that after malpractice, doctors who apologize to patients reduce the number and amount of the claims. Yep. And so I'm, I'm not sure that Lufthansa, maybe they should, they should apologize for whatever involvement they had here and make human connections with each and every one of these passengers' families. It, it, it's interesting then, it, will we see, do you think, sir, we will see quite a few of these families, whatever that award is, you know, some families will say, no, that's, I, I should be compensated more. Do we, you think we will see several court cases come out of this of, of actual suits against Lufthansa uh, in the court system? Uh, with all these passengers, it's uh, it's highly unlikely there'll be none. Yeah. But, but when someone says, I want more money and something for which money cannot actually fix the pain, what families are actually saying is, I still feel pained. Yeah. And so an emotional payment, uh, some uh, way to get the families uh, to feel better about Lufthansa, I don't know, uh, 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 perhaps this sounds a little macabre, but lifetime free flights on Lufthansa. Yeah, for well, example, yeah. You know, to any vacation spot or whatever, well, those kinds of things. And, and we still have, Shaykut, we still have uh, Malaysia FH370 that, that still is an undecided incident out there as well because we they haven't found the plane. And that you talk about you know having no closure whatsoever, you're talking about a lot of families that don't have closure for that, and we're you know, months after this has happened. Yeah, about a year. Um, so I, I agree with that. I think that uh, the human touch is particularly important here. So undoubtedly, that's the outreach that the uh, airline will have to make as well.
Roger, I guess uh, I read that the, the German Wings and, and Lufthansa have said they're going to make be making an initial payment to all of the families. I think they said it was like about fifty or sixty thousand dollars just to basically cover initial expenses, just to you know whatever might be upfront. Uh, with accepting that type of payment from from the airline, I'm guessing that has no correlation for whatever that future payment might be, or them, you know, deciding that you know I want to take Lufthansa to court. There's no correlation from accepting that initial money, is there? No, there, and and this is without strings. Um, okay, you know the, these major airlines um, um, understand the need to reach out to the families um, and have, uh, and and in fact, it's uh, regulated uh, uh, as well by agencies such as uh, the Federal Aviation Administration and in Europe, uh, EASA. Um, that there has to be family assistance, so so that the emergency hotlines are set up, um, so so that uh, you know the families are communicated with, uh, brought into the fold, and they're updated as to what is going on, uh, to to maintain that that personal touch because you know the emotions are just so raw, you know at this point that it's really premature to talk about money, but yet families do need money, yeah, to get and 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 so these these are advances that that are not. Uh, limiting any right to recovery. Now, under this Montreal Convention, um, the, you know the airline is is strictly liable um, uh, for the first 100,000 uh, SDRs, that special drawing rights, which is a unit of the International Monetary Fund, uh, which uh, in American dollars works out to about 156, 157 thousand dollars, somewhere in, in in that range. So, the as long as there's an accident under that definition we talked about earlier. Uh, you know, the, the the family here is automatically entitled to that, even if the airline is not otherwise, you know, at fault. And then there's unlimited liability on top of that uh, on the part of the airline, subject to the right of the airline's uh, ability to prove that the uh, accident was not uh, its uh, as a result of its own negligence or wrongful act or omission of the airline or its uh, agents or servants. That's the that's the rule that appears in the you know in the treaty. So, so the question then is, uh, with Andreas Lubitz, when he decided to commit suicide, was he acting outside the scope of his uh, employment with uh, German Wings, and therefore would German Wings and Lufthansa not be responsible for his uh, suicidal activity? Yep. Uh, that that would be the legal argument. Now, whether they actually pursue that legal argument here uh, is 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 problematic. I suspect they probably won't, because if they tried to make that argument, I think that it does inflame a lot of uh, uh, emotions that. Uh, our emotions that the airline doesn't want to uh, trigger. Stuart? I agree totally. They they really can't make the legal arguments here. This is an emotional situation. And and the, the decision, you know, you, you take an airline, we know you have a choice in airlines. Sure. And that choice is often an emotional decision as well as a practical and financial one. The last thing Lufthansa wants to do is get legalistic on the families of the victims. We are still. I mean, this is so raw in the in the, in the memories of of a lot of people, and obviously the families as well. Is the airline industry and Roger made the distinction between the differences between here in the United States and and over in Europe? But is the airline industry missing something as a whole? He alluded to it as well, as well about the airline industry in dealing with pilots and just that 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 general approach that they have to have with them has to change. 
Yeah, I think, you know, in an era of intense competition that we have with low-cost carriers, and then you've seen the recent um, challenges against the big Middle Eastern carriers, Emirates, Qatar, and Etihad, uh, whether they receive subsidies or not, most other carriers, whether American, especially European, uh, are affected by this, and so they need to uh, need to drive down costs, right? And so yeah. as a result of which, they pressure the pilots. And the question is, is there some kind of limit? And so um, what you're alluding to is the historical antagonistic or, or really tense relationships between the unions of all kinds and the airline management is something which needs to go. And and even to solve the competitive problem, we need a lot more collaboration. Some airlines do it better than others, but uh, by and large, that's been an issue. And uh, honestly, I don't know if it's very easy to actually um, remove that. In one way, people are waiting now until, let's say, the mourning period is over. Yeah. But the pilots have not raised anything about pressures on the pilots yet, and they've not used this this, uh, bargaining chip, if you will. But I have to think that uh, they will be in some form. All right. So we're talking about 150 people that uh, or so that that passed away in this in this uh, in this accident of of all of those people. If, if you were to put an average on it, how many do you think how many court cases do you think out of, let's say, 150 you think we'll end up seeing? Well, uh, Dan, uh, I, I think that that question would be different um, if uh, we were talking about an in the United States, yeah, uh, yeah. because we're so much more litigious here. You know, there could be actually lawsuits in the United States uh, rising out of this accident, uh, because under uh, because of those, I believe there's four uh, Americans uh, yep. that were on this flight, yep. and uh, if, if uh, those Americans, uh, their, their, their flights began in America, and they're making connections through Barcelona. Uh, there, 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 there would most likely be a subject matter jurisdiction in the United States to uh, sue uh, German Wings and Lufthansa, um, and uh, generally uh, awards in the United States uh, for these types of accidents uh, are believed to be significantly higher than the rest of the world. Now, Europe has been catching up um, with with the United States, you know, in recent years. Uh, but I would I would anticipate that the insurers move very fast to try to get the cases resolved. Uh, but I still think you're going to see uh, probably um, somewhere between 75 to 100 lawsuits filed. Stuart, I'd be surprised if uh, if uh, I would think that almost everybody would be part of a class action or some kind of suit here. Just in the beginning, I think the question is how fast will they settle? Yeah, is really the question. I think that the lawyers will suggest that to preserve your rights, all that sort of thing. Yep. you need to be on a lawsuit. But the question is, how far will it go? For more business news and analysis from Knowledge at Wharton, please visit knowledge.wharton.upenn.edu.